Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we look at 2016 on today's review and statistics podcast. We reap the wind and the sky when the sun is high. We sail the length of the seas on the ocean breeze. At night we name every star. We know where we are. We know who we are, who we are. I'm using two different ways to measure 2016. Uh, the first is letterboxed, where I will be pulling from their uh, year-long data of me logging all the films that I've seen. But I will also be pulling from my own spreadsheet, and each one kind of, by necessity, provides a different look at the same type of information. Uh, we're going to start with letterboxed, and as we go through... I'll probably jump back and forth between Letterboxd and the spreadsheet just to kind of add additional insight into what some of these numbers are. And the first number is how many films I've saw, I saw last year. And according to Letterboxd, I logged 1,082 film entries. Now, that number includes rewatches as well as... No, it just includes rewatches. On my spreadsheet, the number of films that I saw in 2016, and this does not include rewatches, is 1,091. And the reason for the discrepancy, it's not that I didn't forgot to log some things, it's that Letterboxd doesn't have every film that I've seen. And I would guess that there, that all the films on my spreadsheet that aren't on Letterboxd are short films. That's generally the case, as it's... You know, it's tough to find, you know, especially, you know, like student level films or student academy award films, those kind of fall on, under the radar. So there were, you know, a handful of those that were also during this year. In 2016, I wrote 701 reviews on Letterboxd. I really started to get faithful of those when... I started doing the scavenger hunts, which took place, which the first one I did was in March. So there were two months where I kind of didn't do any of any reviews. I made 22 lists last year, and I liked 456 reviews, lists, um, movies, what have you. There were 65 comments that I made on various reviews and posts and things like that. And in sum, last year ended up being 1,378.9 hours of watching film. So if we break that down, if the calculator tool will open, there it goes. Oh my gosh, there's 10 of them. 1,378.9 hours divided by 24, roughly 57.45, 57 and a half days, straight days of watching just movies. Almost two full months of my 12 months I spent watching movies. When you factor in that I think I worked like 2,200 hours last year, 
you know, you've got 1378.9 plus, let's say, 2200. Um, if I slept, I probably slept for an average of six hours a day over 365 days. Uh, so 365 times 6 plus 2200. So that's another 2200 plus uh, 1378.9 divided by 24. So that brings us to 240 days of my time last year were spent either watching a movie, at work, or sleeping, give or take, which leaves 125 days left to do eating, uh, food eating preparation, listening to music or podcasts, uh, transportation, socializing, what have you. <laughs> That's pretty staggering. And based on my spreadsheet, if we look at the total amount of time I've spent uh, life to date watching films, that number is 454 days. So if it was 57 days this year, 454, 57. So we ended up with 397 days before this or 12%, 12 and of all the movie watching that I did, that I've done in my life took place in this past year. That's inc insane. And when you figure I watched over a thousand unique films last year, I've only seen 4,200 films total. So like a fourth of the films that I've seen in my life, I saw last year. That's a lot of films. That's a, that's a lot of films. Um, next, we have my top 20 of 2016, uh, which is a list you can find on Letterboxd. And... I will be having another podcast where, or another episode rather, where I break down kind of the, I'll do what I do for my scavenger hunts and have a superlatives for the the year and films released in 2016. This might give you a general idea of some of the films that might show up there, uh, but is not necessarily beholden to what you hear here. And Additionally, there are still uh, quite a few films from 2016 that I haven't seen that I think could impact this list at the end of it all. So, grain of salt, uh, for sure, as far as that's concerned. Um, let me see. Right, yeah, it's but it is accurate to date. So, starting <clears throat> starting at number 20 and working our way up, Her Friend Adam, uh, Sundance short film. Wiener, uh, Andrew Wiener's documentary, Captain Fantastic, starring Viggo Mortensen, Piper, the Pixar short film that played before Finding Dory, 13th, the Ava DuVernay uh, documentary about our justice system and legal system, Thunder Road, another Sundance short film, Hunt for the Wilder People, Taika Waititi's newest film, The Jungle Book, John Favreau's live-action remake, Moonlight at number 12, Barry Jenkins, uh, very impressionable drama. At number 11, just outside of the top 10, is Sing Street, the newest uh, musical from John Carney. Uh, 
number 10. The top 10, fittingly, is 10 Cloverfield Lane with Mary Elizabeth Winstead and John Goodman. Number 9, Kubo and the Two Strings, Laika's new stop-motion animation film. Number 8, Manchester at the Sea, Casey Affleck, Michelle Williams, and Lucas Hedges. Number 7, Don't Think Twice about uh, sketch comedy and improv with Michael Keegan Key. Number six, Swiss Army Man with Paul Dano and Daniel Radcliffe. Number five, Moana, Disney Disney's newest animated musical. Number four, OJ Made in America, the seven and a half hour documentary from ESPN. Number three, Zootopia, Disney's newest non-musical animated film that came out early spring this year. Number two, Arrival, Denis Villeneuve, his newest film, still in theaters. And number one, The Handmaiden from Park Chan-wook. You know, a lot of good films in that list. And while I'm sure many other people would rearrange them to fit their own in their own taste, I think most people would agree that the majority of that list is is very high quality. Let's now move on to films by the week. So Letterboxd will show Letterbox shows you how many films you watch during each seven day period. So the first week of the year, January first through January seventh, I watched fifteen films. And, you know, there's some spiking and some valleys and whatnot. But some notable things are that in February, the first, the second full week of, the first full week of February and the third full week of February, weeks six and eight respectively of the year, both times I broke 50 films that week. So February 5th through February, February 5th, through February 11th, I watched 56 films, and February 19th through 25th, I watched 54 films. Um, Those are the two highest weeks of the year, and the only weeks of the year that reached 50. I think by the end of February, I was on pace to watch almost 2,000 films at that time, which is a staggering number. And most of that number comes from short films, uh, which definitely slowed down after February, but there's still an elevated number until you get to the end of April, which was kind of peppered with short films here and there. And then once you hit mid-May through June, the average drops significantly. So you've got 13, 13, 7, 8, 10, 10, 13, 8, 13, until the first week in July, which is tied for my lowest week of the year, with only three. So July was the only, the first week of July is the only week of this year that had days where I didn't watch any movies. And the reason is because I was on vacation. And I'll be going on vacation this year in August, uh, but I, I don't know whether or not I'll be able to keep up with movies in that at that time as of right now. The other week where I only watched three films was the last week of the year, the 53rd week, because it was only two days long, December 30th and 31st. 
So that actually works out okay. So overall, the 1,082 films that I watched, according to Letterboxd, averaged about 90.2 per month, or 20.8 per week, or roughly 3 per day, give or take. And then breaking that down further into days, uh, you've got Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, which are 170 films total, 165, 184, and 180, respectively. Uh, you know, they're kind of all within 10 or so films of each other. And then you've got the weekend days, so Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. I guess Monday. For me, Monday's kind of like a weekend day. And those are dropped, those are lower, they're at 131, 127, 125, respectively. And that's just an indication of the fact that I work every weekend at my job, and all my days off are during, are throughout the week, for the most part. And so that kind of shows off, shows up there. Letterboxed milestones for this year. The first film that I watched this year and reviewed was... Crimson Peak from 2015, which I gave a three and a half stars. The last film that I watched this year on December 31st was Stop Making Sense, the musical documentary by the Talking Heads and Jonathan Dem. And then the most watched films, and there are only three of them, are La La Land, which I saw twice in theaters in the last couple weeks. Uh, Civil Captain America: Civil War, which I saw once in theaters and then again rewatched later on my computer. And then Kenzo World, which is a short film, sort of, to uh, set to music, and it's only like three minutes long, and I watched it twice because I really liked it. And. I guess that those are the only ones, those are the only films that I watched multiple times that last year. Uh, yeah. So let's move on to genres, countries, and languages. And we'll start with genres. So this only lists the top 10 genres in terms of quantity, all of which have at least 100 films seen. And we'll start at the bottom. Horror, uh, 100 films, horror films this year, or in 2016. Family, 105 films. Romance, 132 films. Sci-fi, 136 films. Adventure, 155 films. At number 5, Thriller, 166 films. Number 4, Action, 178 films. Big jump here to Animation, 255 films. Comedy, 287 films. And then in number 1, which I think is the genre that wins every year drama 374 films now on the spreadsheet I can look at a little bit of a different statistic based on last year as this only pertains to last year's 
particular films that came out in 2016. So if we look at drama, 374 films, of the ones that came out in 2016, there are only 69, which actually falls short of comedy in which there were 70. And I only watched 287 of them. So I guess that kind of indicates that I watched about 200 comedies from before 2016 and 300 dramas from before 2016, give or take a few. Uh, As far as country, country of origin, the the top 10, and this is a very uneven list. Number 10, Sweden, 12 films. Denmark, 12 films. Australia, 15 films. Italy, 20 films. Japan, 20 films. Germany, 43 films, big jump. Canada, 45 films. Another jump to France, 69 films. UK, 96 films. And then 738 films from the USA, as one might expect. And languages are pretty similar. Portuguese, 13 films. Chinese, 14 films. Swedish, 15 films. Japanese, 26 films. Russian, 28 films. Fifth, Italian, 35 films. Spanish, 49 films. Germany, 54 films. And this kind of surprised me that number two is French with 91 films. But I I guess I don't really... And, you know, maybe this is my own personal flaw that I don't really pay attention to what language it is. You know, I don't really... Generally speaking, I guess, I don't really discern one European language from another or one Asian language from another. And it's not that I think that they all sound the same. I just don't take the time to figure it out. You know, beyond the fact that, like, well, oh, this is a Park Chan-wook or, oh, this is Kurosawa. You know, I that identifies it. You know, this is what have you. You know, I know I can look at the title of the movie and discern it that way more often than not, but, you know, it wouldn't, it didn't register with me throughout the year that I was watching a significant number of French films, necessarily. And naturally, at number one, English, with 997 films, almost a thousand. And then a little bit of pie chart breakdown here. The percentage of films that came, that I watched that ye- this year, that came out this year, is just over 15%, 15 15.2%, and 84.8% of the films that I watched this year were older, came out before. The percentage of films this year that were rewatches are 3.8%, which leaves 96.2% of films this year that were watched, that I watched for the first time, and that percentage still seems really big, 3.8, I mean. Because I feel like I don't rewatch that many films, but I guess... Because like 3.8%, that's 38 rewatches? That sounds really high. And then reviewed and not reviewed films. 35% not reviewed. 65% reviewed. I watched 204 films off of my watch list on Letterboxd, which is pretty good. Except that I added 438 films to it. So, net loss there. (laughs) 
and then the ratings spread. So I believe I mentioned this, I feel like I mentioned this before, but the breakdown between my film spreadsheet ratings to Letterboxd is roughly every 10 points is a half a star, with the exception being that a half star rating encompasses everything from 0 to 19. 20 to 29 is one star. In the 30s, star and a half. 40s, two stars. 50s, two and a half stars. 60s, three stars. 70s, three and a half stars. 80s, four stars. 90s, four and a half stars. And five stars only goes to films that got 100. So this year, I gave a half star to 92 films. I gave a one star to 95 films. A star and a half to 89 films. Two stars to 100 films. Two and a half stars, so we're at average now, 155 films. So that's already over 500. That's about 540 films already. Because 11, 19, 15, 19, 20, 4. So 531 films that only got a, a two and a half or less. 183 films got a three star rating. 175 films got a three and a half star rating. Six, three stars was the most popular rating this season, this year. 127 films got a four star. Only 61 films got four and a half stars from me. And three films got a five-star rating and I believe two of those were rewatches uh, in in being Mad Max Fury Road and The Nightmare Before Christmas were both rewatches now this is what this is my most interested uh, segment section stars and directors so I can look at the most watched stars in all the films that I logged this year. I'm looking at the top 20 right now. And we'll start at the bottom. Uh, these people have were in, were in seven films that I watched. Now this is based on Letterboxd, and I have found a little bit of dis, uh, disagreement between Letterboxd credits and IMDb credits and whatever, what else have you. So, while some of these actors may have appeared in more things, they certainly did not appear in less, if that makes sense. So, these people appeared in at least seven films that I watched this year. Ben Wishaw, Keanu Reeves, Robert De Niro, and Clint Eastwood. Appearing in at least eight films that I watched this year, Bill Hader, Robert Downey Jr., Clark Gregg, Tom Hanks, and Andrea Romano. Appearing in nine films, Kurt Russell and Fred Tataskior, who's probably the first name that really no one recognized there. He is a voice actor uh, who has done a lot of work on the DC and Marvel animated films. With ten films, at least, Chris Hemsworth, Ben Kingsley, Idris Elba, Scarlett Johansson, and Bruce Timm. And now the top four 
with 12 films, Clarence Nash, another voice actor, and that's mostly from the short films that I watched early in the year, Jenna Malone with 12 films, again, partly due to short films that I watched at the end of the year, on the other hand, The Old Faithful, Samuel L. Jackson at number two this year with 17 films, a little bit of jump, and all the way at 27 films for the year, all of them are short animated Disney films, and that's Mel Blanc. Uh, So I I really dove into the Disney shorts this year, and I, I came out better for it, I think. Now, I can also look at highest rated stars, film stars. The problem is that generally this is because I've only seen like two films from them. Like all these people who I gave an average of four and a half stars, Rudy Bond, but I only watched two films that he was in this year. And so, you know, how that doesn't really do much for me. You know, I, I wish I could like change the minimum film requirement on like a slider. That would be a little interesting. But let's move to directors. And we'll do this in quantity again. Starting at the bottom of the 20 with all of, all of these directors directed four films that I've seen this year. Quentin Tarantino, Maurice Noble, Robert Rodriguez, Wes Craven, and Woody Allen, some big names in that list. At five films on the year, Don Hertzfeldt, Robert Cannon, and Tex Avery. With six films, Rudolph Ising, John Carpenter, the great John Carpenter, John Hoobley as well. With seven films, Jack Hanna and Jack Kinney. With eight films, and the only female on this list, Lauren Montgomery, who has had a hand in directing many of the DC Animated Universe films. With 10 films in number 6, at 6th place, Chuck Jones, short film director. Uh, With 11 films, thanks in part to the December scavenger hunt, Steven Spielberg with 11. Uh, Tied in 3rd place are Joseph Barbera and William Hanna, of Hannah and Barbera cartoons. Again, all short films. Number two, another short film director, Pez, with 14 films, and atop the count this year, another short film director, uh, particularly for Looney Tunes, Frizz Freling. And if I pronounce those names wrong, I am deeply sorry. My next thing my most liked review of the year was the first review that I wrote for the first scavenger hunt that I did which was Fur, an imaginary portrait of Diane Arbus I gave the film a one and a half star rating I watched it on the first of March it was it fulfilled the task of an unconventional romantic film and I guess I'll just read my review for it I decided to focus my reviews on the task as opposed to the film as a whole. 
Downey and Kidman are just so strange. Their characters languish over almost everything. Their touch lingers whenever they pick up the simplest mundane object. It's very off-putting, but it does help to elevate them above the rest of the characters to the point where you really where you can really see a connection forming between them. Unfortunately, the romantic element kind of becomes derivative by the end of the film and reduced to more of a plot device than a true character development. In hindsight, I felt like I had to question Downey's character's motives from the very beginning. And the use of the word, quote, love, was kind of tainted in that sense as well. I felt the film would have been much better as a whole with a more appropriate director, maybe Tim Burton or David Lynch. It feels like a cross between Big Eyes and Beauty and the Beast. And that got 12 likes, uh, which is great. Uh, it's really cool. And then my most liked list was, and so that was for March's scavenge hunt, which is the first one I participated in. My most liked list came the next month when I made my April 2016 scavenger hunt. The original list from that month by Plain Solil, if I'm pronouncing that right, that is the username on Letterboxd. And I got 16 likes for that list, uh, which is cool. Awesome. <clears throat> Highs and lows. The highest average rated film that I watched this year, based on Letterboxd, with a 4.5 average rating, is Harakiri, which is the newest uh, member of the 100 Club on my spreadsheet. So uh, fitting, very fitting. The lowest average rating with a 1.1 star average is Food Fight, which I think is also very fitting. The most popular film that I watched this year is Mad Max Fury Road, which has a 4.3 average, very high. And the most obscure film that I watched is The Painted Lady, which is a short film starring Jenna Malone from 2012, directed by Liz Goldwyn, that has approximately two ratings, one by me, with a one and a half star rating. According to Letterboxd, it has been seen by 11 people. It is one part of one list and liked by one person. So not a very popular film. And then the next part of it is Letterboxd shows a list of all the films that I've seen, which are you know far too numerable to count. It then shows some highly rated films that I didn't see from this year, some that are still on my list, uh, One More Time with Feeling, Your Name, the anime film that came out this year, Aquarius, Tony Erdman, Camera Person, Patterson. There are a lot of films that came out this year that I really still will need to see, and who knows when I'll be able to see them. Hopefully within the next month I'm hoping to do my sort of superlative episode toward the end of January uh, maybe the beginning of February but preferably before the Oscars and after the nominees are announced and then the last thing that this page shows uh, is a world map with the number of films from each country that I've seen so you can look at any country you want and it'll show you how many films from that country I'd seen. So South Africa, one film. Liberia, one film. Jordan, one film. 
Indonesia one film, Japan 20, Russia 7, China 10, India 4, Pakistan 1, Iran 2, things like that. And uh, yeah, that's my year in 2016. There's so much more to do. I am going to put together uh, Letterboxd recently added a new year in review feature called All Time. So this will let me look at all the films I've seen uh, from Letterboxd and kind of break them down into a ton of different statistics. You know, just every single thing imaginable. And lists on lists on data on data. And I'm going to have a lot of fun with that episode. You know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. But just to give you a small taste of the awards episode podcast that I am looking up, looking at creating. Uh, yeah. Here are the categories that I will be awarding a winner in. Best picture, which will qualify all films of every type that have been released in 2016, officially. None of this Academy bullshit simply was its first release date in 2016 or not. Or rather, based on IMDb and Letterboxd, is it 2016 film or 2015 film? Uh, best director, same criteria. Best male lead performance, best female lead performance, best male supporting performance, best female supporting performance. Best screenplay, I don't have the wherewithal or time to break it up into original or adapted, so it's simply best screenplay across the board. Best original song, which will only apply to songs that are actually in the movie. If the song is an end credit song, it doesn't matter when it starts, it doesn't count. And currently, I have I have tentative nominees in all these categories. Currently, all of the original song nominees are ones that are actually sung in the movie, uh, not background music. And I'd like to keep it that way. Uh, you know, I just I think that that's what the category is supposed to be for, not you know who can write the best song to put on your soundtrack by the best artist. You know, you no, you need to have. I, it should be music organic and in bedded into the movie itself best score uh, which is much more lenient in far insofar as the same the original song category best tactile effects so this is kind of my way of combining costume makeup and visual effects that aren't special effects like cgi cg uh, you know, so basically you're looking at realistic things, practical things, that sort of thing. Mad Max Fury Road probably crushes this category last year. And next is Best Special Effects. And it is possible for a film to be nominated in both uh, for my awards. Currently, none are. But 
this year it's kind of one or the other and lastly uh, probably the only the most uh, unique category is best scene so this is just going to be five scenes that I think are the most evocative and powerful scenes or funniest or you know something scenes that were put to film last in this in 2016 and I haven't done the calculations yet so I don't know like if there are any films that are getting a lot more nominations than any others I can say that the best picture frontrunner at the Oscars La La Land currently is appearing on this list one two three four five five times and there are one two three four five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve categories so five of the twelve categories have la la land in them or if we want to look at manchester by the sea you've got one two three three only three for manchester and then lastly the other big name at the oscars seems to be anyway moonlight has one two three four four so four for moonlight uh so I'll, I'll kind of break that down a little bit more and there'll be an entire episode devoted to it i think just one that goes that kind of uh, goes through all the details and then announces the winners within the same episode i i don't think that it's warrants a, a, a new a, a completely separate episode really and uh yeah i think that and, and um, you know, obviously, I have it's not finalized because there's still some films that I'm gonna have to see, a couple foreign films primarily, and I'll see if they kind of squeeze their way in here. It's a very rough list right now, and yeah, that's that's what there is to look forward to. Um, again, kind of a down time of the year. There's really nothing new out right now until this weekend, where there will finally be some new movies. Uh, I believe the next film I'm going to see is Hidden Figures on Thursday. So you can probably expect a review of that then. And uh, we'll see what else is coming out this weekend. But if you enjoy listening to my podcast and would like to see hear some of the other episodes or need to know where to go to subscribe or find out when new episodes come out you can go to the website at circleoffilm.com or subscribe and like on itunes stitcher or google play you can find plenty of information about me on at the website or you can or if you have anything you want to say to me about anything at all you can email me at circleoffilm at gmail.com always happy to take any comments criticism questions that you may have and finally have a week so long farewell i'll be the same tonight come on baby
Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute.